This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. How's it, Mzanzi? Welcome to the very first episode of our brand new podcast series. We unashamedly salute the unsung heroes of agriculture. We believe in the power of agriculture to create social cohesion. My name is Dawn Numdu and I'm the editor of Food for Mzanzi. With me is Corbus Lawrence, the co-founder of South Africa's leading agricultural and lifestyle news platform. Hi, Dawn. It's all very exciting to me. To think that when we started this platform that tells the, the stories of these unsung heroes that you're referring to, there was one thing that we didn't foresee, and that was that these same farmers that we are saluting don't have a media platform exclusively catering to their very specific needs. That is why we're launching Farmers Inside Track. So, Kobus, in the next 13 weekly episodes, we'll be introducing the listeners to 13 farmers who've inspired us. Joining us in studio today is Jackie Goliath, the MD of the Fainer Nursery in Paul in the Western Cape. Stay tuned. There's a reason she's called the Goliath of the Fainbos industry. Do you want to win your share of 100,000 Rand with VKB? Find a golden coin in one of our products, Grainfield Chickens, Magnificent Maize Meal, or Super Sure Bread and Flour at any participating store. The more you buy, the greater your chance of winning. This competition is proudly brought to you by VKB, celebrating their 100th year milestone. Visit vkb.co.za for more information. T's and C's apply. VKB, for the love of the land. On to our very first guest on Farmers Inside Track. Jackie is the MD of Tofaina Nursery in Paul in the Western Cape. Great to have you with us, Jackie, and welcome. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Jackie, you wear many hats. You are a farmer, you are a businesswoman, but what makes you tick? Wow, what makes me tick is by getting up in the morning and just to hear the birds sing. The other day, I just woke up and I said, wow, that's the birds and I actually made sure that, yes, that is the bird singing. And that made me tick to think I am within nature, and my business is within nature, working with nature. And I think it's nature that makes me tick. And your business, Define Nursery, was a side hustle as a start, as a way for you to get an extra income. How did it grow from there, and where did all of this start really for you? I've been working at an NGO years ago. A friend of mine said, listen, let's start something, you know, as a, a side income. And I said, yes, and both of us had worked before at the Agricultural Research Council where we worked with Feinbos. And at that time, when we started with the business, people were very aware of water-wise gardening and indigenous planting and all those. So the market was there for what we wanted to start with. And I think it's very important if you start a business that you have a market first approach so that you know if you have the product, then obviously you can sell it. Mm -hmm. So we've started growing it in the first year. Everything sold out. We started with 1000 plants and we said, wow, so it seems that this can work. So we had to start again. And because it is boss, it grows very slowly. It takes about 12 months for us to make the product that we want to sell. So we started again and the next year it was also sold out and we saw that actually there was something going. 
Did you do a little happy dance? Were you like, yes? <laughs> you know what? Not actually. I think we were like blown away. We were like, wow, you know, what's mm. happening here? So we just continued. And meanwhile, we diversified as well. So people came to you and said, listen, we see you can grow stuff. So we started with Feinbos. We then diversified to other ornamentals like your lavenders and all those. And then further on into agriculture, where we started making and propagating fruit plants, you know, and making fruit trees and all those. So now we're growing various lists of stuff. But yeah, that's where we started and that's where we now. You actually studied horticulture, I believe. Yes, I did. I that did. must have been useful. Very much. You know what? When I was still at school, I said I wanted to work in nature. So coming from a very rural area, I'm in Abbotsdale, I said I wanted to do anything in nature. And when we applied at those years, the Peninsula Technicon, they said, but there's something like horticulture. And I was like, what? I mean, Afrikaans speaking, I didn't know what horticulture meant. And I said, <laughs> what? And they say in Afrikaans, tainbo. And I said, but I don't want to work in a garden. I want to be outside. <laughs> so but said, no, horticulture is everything to do with plants and so forth. The horticulture degree just took me so far that I'm now in agriculture. Do you believe that you took baby steps? That oh. it was baby steps for you to get where you are now? I'm sure your success didn't happen overnight. I mean, so tell us a bit about that and how yes, that worked for you. Definitely baby steps all the way, crawling first, <laughs> then the baby steps. But it was, you know what, if I now look back on it, I wouldn't have changed anything. But it was necessary to do that crawling and baby steps before we could walk, actually. Because we've learned so much. I've learned so much. Every mistake that we made, you learn out of it. The experience that you had, you learned out of it and you could grow onto that. So, I mean, it took a while to come where we are. We're still moving. We still want to go places. But definitely it took a while for us to come here. Like I said, I won't change anything. You've actually outgrown the available land that you had quite a few times over the years. And I believe that's a, a problem that many farmers struggle with. Do you have any advice for farmers facing sort of the limitations of available land on, on how to navigate that? Yes, we actually moved four times since wow. we started in Elton's backyard. Very, very small patches. It was like a stoop area. And we moved from space to space because we had the opportunity. People came to us and said, we want you to grow more. And we just didn't go to any area because we wanted to be, number one, close to our market. It needed to be accessible for the vehicles to come in and go and also enough water to grow. I mean, working with plants. It's live organisms. You need to have water as well. And like I said, the market was close. We were in a 1.5 hectare farm or, or area that we rented with other five tenants as well. Yet again, the water was a limit for us. And then also we wanted to expand. We couldn't put down any structures, fixed structures, because if one day, if we want to move, you couldn't move those structures with you. So we decided, you know what, let's approach government and let's ask them and tell them, listen here, see what we've done out of our own pockets because we didn't have any loans. We don't have rich parents, you know, everything came out of our own pockets, our savings and everything. So we said, let's approach them and ask them. But what we had is that we had our success that we could show them. Mm. We could show them this is where we were. This is what we've done out of our own pocket. And could you please then assist us? And they liked what they saw and how we grew. Yes, then we were successful in obtaining a farm. But yet again, it came with very, very hard work. And the day you got your farm, how did it feel? 
day we got the home, or actually when we received the keys, it was very emotional because we were still working at the NGO in Stellenbosch. I drove with my vehicle and my business partner drove with his vehicle. We just received the key and then obviously I needed to go back to Stellenbosch. But when I drove from that farm, I just don't know what happened. I just started to cry. I just cried. I didn't know why I was crying. <laughs> I just cried. It was a very, very overwhelming feeling to think that you had a 1.5 and now you've got this excess of land of 22 hectares, which is 10 times bigger. And I've never could have dreamt, coming from a very conservative background and rural area, that I would one day have my own business, what even my own farm. It's still goosebumps. <laughs> goosebumps just to think about it. From day one, you've built your business with a partner. And I think that can be tricky and it's quite complicated working with someone that closely. Do you have any secrets that you can share? How do you navigate that? Well, I don't think there's any secrets besides that we talk a lot. <laughs> We talk a lot and yes, you can say we scale and clay and I think it's necessary that you know as partners that you can differ from one another, but that you can talk about it. And that's, I think that's good between myself and Elton, his name is Elton Jeftis, that we can talk about something and we do differ about a lot of stuff, but then we talk about it and then we move on. So to have a partner, it's very important to communicate. I think both of us bring different skills to the business. We're both horticulturists. He also have an agricultural degree, but he's more the strategic partner, like planning and the financials, where I am more hands-on. So I think we definitely um, complement each other. And so looking out for a business partner, it's very important that you do understand each other and that you can talk about stuff, but yet again, that you can differ from each other, but just talk it out and move on. I think uh, Jackie was almost ahead of her time when she started out, Corbus, in terms of making plans and dealing with some of the water issues that we also had later. Yeah. You were like two decades before day zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how has the water issue affected you? The water issue is always an issue on a farm. Once agricultural farm, I mean, you can't farm without water. I mean, when you have animals or like us plants, you can't do without. And we, we neighbor on the Berg River. We are basically on the Berg River, so we get our water out of the Berg River. And in 2017, basically the, the river dried up, like dried up. I took my staff down once to just add them feel like there's no more water. And we went down to the river and I took them into the riverbed. And it was just this cobblestones. And they were standing there looking upstream, downstream, no water. And they were like, yo, there's really no water. So it hit us very hard. We had to decrease our production. We had to stop some of the lines that we couldn't grow, our plant lines that we couldn't grow. And obviously with that, we then had a decrease in our cash flow because the cash didn't come in. And now with the nursery, we plan one year ahead. So if I don't make plans for plants this year, I won't have it next year, mm. meaning there won't be plants to sell next year. So it really had a big effect on us. And I think we're only coming out of it now in 2019 that we're starting to bulk up again on our plant production. Yet again, that will then also have a positive influence on our cash. Just keeping to what you're talking about in terms of some of the failures or the challenges that you've had uh, or tough lessons learned, so to speak. In terms of that, does the fact that you're female and a black woman working in the industry had any effect on your success in the sector? 
I think being a female in the agricultural sector is challenging. I wouldn't say that it had an effect of not being successful. I think that being a farmer, if people look at me and say I'm a farmer, I'm not necessarily say I'm a female farmer or I'm a black female farmer. Yes, if you look at me, that is what you see. Looking at the business as such, I'm a farmer and I put in everything that any farmer will do. You get up at night if you hear the alarm goes off. One Sunday morning, I got up and I looked down to the riverside and I saw that our pump house has been broken in. I didn't wait for the police. I went down because that's what any farmer would do is go down and see. And when I came closer, about 10 meters, the thief still jumped out of the bushes and he ran away. So I think being a female farmer of color makes it challenging. Yes, to blend in with the rest of the agriculture. But I don't think it has an effect of being successful or not when you're in the agricultural sector. You've been recognized quite a bit by winning different awards, including the Department of Agriculture's Women Entrepreneur of the Year in 2012, to, to name just one. What did these awards mean for your career and for you, for your business? Yes, the awards that I've won, and I usually say it's been put out in my name as Jackie Goliath, but the Fena is me and my staff. It's everyone. It's the one that's giving the water and the one that's doing the weeding. So, yes, we have received uh, quite a few awards. Just the media coverage that came from them. People became aware of Defina and what we do and what we stand for. That helped quite a lot. It gave my staff that extra oomph that, yes, we did it and we can make better the motivation that it just brought from that as well. And also being in the agricultural sector, it showed me as a person that, yes, we can and we will and we will continue with what we do. And the fact that it is outside people that recognize you, it's your peers in the agricultural sector that say, you, you guys have done good. It's not myself or my mother or my brother or whoever said it. It's people from outside the company that say that you guys are doing good. So that's quite a good feeling. Makes me feel humble, but also very proud of what we've achieved. And I know you personally, Jackie, love to give back. Always talking about projects that you're doing with your community, the community on your farm specifically. How important is that to you? Having to give back to the people that work with you on the farm, on the Fena. Let's just hear your heart yeah. in that regard. <laughs> Yes, Dawn, coming from a community myself, we know that you need to connect with your people. And when it came that government was saying, listen, people, you need to give back to communities or people want to see what social upliftment you do. We were saying, but why must we go and look outside for a community? Why must you go outside your fence to go and look for a community? My staff is a community ourselves. So why can't we just start with them and uplift them? Yes, we do some other social upliftments. We go to the clinics, we give out soup when it comes to the, the winter time. Within my community, my staff community, we have winters, we have once a week, we have very nice meals that we've got. A few months ago, we had our females, a woman's day. Then we have people that come out to talk, social workers come and talk. We have people that come and talk about you as a person. How do you uplift yourself? How do you look at your health? It's for me important to uplift my people as a person, to make sure that you, Quibus or Dawn, whatever your name is, that you as a person is important to me. So if you feel good about yourself, you're then going to be highly productive or you're just going to be a better person. Remember when you go to work, it's more than 80% of your life that you are at work. You go home after five or six o'clock, you go and sleep. 
look after the children. Tomorrow morning, you're back at work. So more than 80% of your life, you're at work. So if you're not happy at work, then you're 80% of your life not happy. And that is what we thought is, let's look after our people. Let's build their capacity. Let's have these open days. Let's take them out, you know, just to build them. But then also like socially uplift them to make a better person at work, but also at home. Looking ahead at opportunities in your part of the industry, what excites you at the moment? What excites me at this specific moment is that we as Defena have stepped up a bit more. Within the agricultural sector, people are looking now in growing fruit trees in bags. We are one of the nurseries and one of the few black nurseries that have stepped up to do that. And I think um, we are very happy with the quality that we do. We are very happy with the industry players that we're currently working and that has approached us to work with them. So for me, that is quite an exciting time. It's still in its baby phase, starting new. We do see a future within that. We're very, very excited about that at this moment. Yeah. Your own personal success, how are you measuring that specifically? If you had to look at me, Jackie, what I've done so far, we have come from looking back at that. And just keeping that in mind and thinking about everything that you've put in, where do you see that now and where it's going? Looking at myself, it's sometimes very difficult place myself because I get up in the morning, I go to work, I do my thing, I come back. There's never a moment where I sit actually back and realize that where have you been, what have you achieved and where are you going? I'm just living the moment. I'm just living the fainer. I'm just getting up doing what I do and it's my passion. I enjoy it. I always said I wanted to work in nature and that's what I'm doing. Plants are such strange, unique organisms. When it's too hot, they do something. When it's too cold, they do something. Too dry, too much wind, they react and we react to that. And that's why there's never a dull moment on that farm or in that nursery. So I have never a dull moment. And just going from day to day, I think I've kind of lost myself within all of this because I'm, I'm just living the moment. I think I've lost myself, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yes, there's those times that you're mentally drained and you physically, you get drained because you get up, you go, you get up, you go, you just go, go, go. But I think I'm, I'm really just loving the moment and I'm enjoying every moment of it. Yeah. And it shows. <laughs> it shows. It really yeah. does show. Yeah. I think that comes to the end of today's episode. Uh, we want to thank you, Jackie, for taking the time to talk to us and sharing your story with Food for Mzanzi. We're very truly inspired and we want to salute you. And we want to say to you, we are proud of what you do. And your story will inspire so many more. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yes, we can only do it with if it's your passion and very hard work, but you can do it if you want to. Thank you. Wow, that was truly inspiring, Quivers. Jackie Goliath, the MD of the Fainer Nursery in Paul in the Western Cape. So next week, Ivor Price, Food for Mzanzi co-founder and I, will be chatting to Werner Dirks. I'm totally excited about this one. I'm really looking forward to that interview. Um, Farnet is such a humble guy. It's hard to believe how far he's come from very humble um, origins. So that's a wrap of our very first episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Farmer's Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.